Hello, friends and fellow truth seekers. This is Michael Uday, and this is my podcast uh, called You Tuned In. Um, if it's your first time hearing, uh, this podcast is based solely around trying to use offensive truth as a weapon to navigate back to a space that we want to be and a version of ourselves that we really enjoy. Um, first, I just want to thank and applaud you all that have been listening. You've, I've been humbled and thankful for how aligned it seems that we all are with this desire to get rid of the facade, to do away with the phony and really embrace truth despite the initial pain that comes with embracing truth. Uh, this episode that I'm doing is a bit out of order uh, and off regular timing because I've been receiving a lot of the same handful of questions over the past week. And I'm going to try to go back to part two of the All the Ships episode uh, on Thursday of this week, Lord willing. Uh, but it seems that there was a specific nerve that was hit by and large in the last segment. And that is concerning fear and anxiety. So in this special episode, I'm going to answer some very specific questions that I received. And I want to be clear that I am not a therapist and I don't have any professional background in addressing or correcting anxiety individually. But I am going to speak from a place of truth. And while some of the evidence that I'll present will be anecdotal in my own life, uh, the surrounding context will be objectively true, though, uh, to my best efforts always. And as always, I implore you to know yourself and your level of preparedness before you tune into this or any of the podcast topics that I'll cover. And please feel free to dismiss yourself if you're just not that into it or you're feeling that it's causing you some uh, uncharacteristic uh, upsetness, anger, whatever you want to call it. The first question that I want to tackle uh, is presented to me by several people. And then what is the best way to tackle or facilitate fear and anxiety? Which I think this is a really great question in and of itself um, because it shows a desire to, to change. It shows a desire to not just keep doing the same thing that you've always done and keep getting the same thing you've always got. And the first thing that I'll say about this question is fear is an emotion. Right? Fear is an emotion and all of our emotions serve a purpose. They, are, they don't all serve us the best in every scenario, in every case. Some of them actually do the opposite. They perform adversely to our desired outcome. But all of them serve a purpose. And fear is an emotion. And that fear serves a purpose. Sometimes our fear that we feel is our emotional response or our body's way of telling us that there is an inherent danger whether in something that is around us or something that we're going to do or a decision that we're going to make, it's going to have undesirable consequences. So the reason I said that is because you'll hear a lot of people talk about like, oh, do away fear, fear, overcome fear. Fear is not this and fear is not that. And, and it's true. In bulk, you do not want fear to play an active part in your life at all to a certain extent. But the feeling of the emotion fear, you need to identify it because it's telling you something. You first have to, to siphon through the information that it's giving you. What is the inherent danger? 
And if your fear is coming in the form of anxiety, you have to ask, what is the inherent scenario that I am in that I don't want to be in? And how bad can it get? Again, for for me, and as we look at this, everything that we look at, we want to try to look at it through the lens of how we can attack it with truth and authenticity. There's a lot of different directions that we can go down with, with fear itself. But how do we attack it with truth and authenticity? First is what is the inherent danger and being honest with ourselves about that. In a social scenario where I'm feeling anxiety, the danger that could potentially come and just given a scenario, given a, a hypothetical is I could be around a bunch of people that I don't necessarily fit in with or feel like I fit in with. I could, I could have imposter syndrome and I could be afraid of the fact that someone's going to find out that I don't belong in this group of people. There's a common saying, and I think this saying is true. And one of the things that every human has at their core, despite their background or their orientation of life, is they want to, to be seen and they want to be known. And I think that's true. And so to feel like that you are not seen or not known in a group of people that you would very much like to be seen or known by or to feel like you don't belong uh, is a danger. It's not a danger to yourself physically. It's not a danger to your well-being, but it is a danger to you mentally and emotionally. And it's something that you would very much like to avoid so that your body is naturally going to respond with a level of anxiety. But the truth of the matter is that fear and anxiety as a concept is just a big paper mache giant. It, it, it boasts itself and it walks around like it's this big bad thing that is inevitable. But really it's nothing and it's made out of nothing. It can do nothing. The one thing that I find characteristic about all the fears that I've had or have experienced is that they all want to make me feel like that they are inevitable. I'm in that social situation, or I'm in that room full of people, and that anxiety is telling me that pretty quick, you're gonna say something so stupid or so dumb that somebody's gonna find you out that you are not as intelligent as the rest of the people in the group, or you are not as financially free as the rest of the people in the group. You are not as talented as the rest of the people that are speaking here. You don't have anything in common with these people and they don't really like you. They're tolerating you. This is inevitable. By the time this conversation you're having with them is over, these situations will have risen that show the truth of the matter is that you don't belong here. But just like we spoke about in the last uh, in the last segment, is fear is one of the only emotions that you can only experience from information that's in the future. It's only based on things that haven't happened yet. So the way that you facilitate it or deal with it is: can you speak to the reality? Can you speak to the reality of the situation and 
everybody has their own thing that they subscribe to. And if you're listening to me speak, you're going to figure it out uh, sooner or later that I am a very spiritual person. And I very much so believe in God and I very much so believe in Jesus. And so a lot of the things that I will talk about from a personal standpoint and not say that it's an objective, emphatic truth for you, but from a personal standpoint will be my experiences with that. I used to struggle quite a bit with the concept of fear in essence of a spiritual fear, right? Powers of the devil and his desire to take me down paths that I didn't want to go to or his desire to put me in scenarios of distance from God or darkness in general that I didn't want to be at. And there's a long story. I won't tell it now, but if anybody wants to know about it, I mean, you've got my contact information. You can find me and I'll tell you the whole story. But the premise of it came down to there was a specific time where God was speaking to me in a very specific scenario. And he said, okay, yes, the devil is real. Let's start there. And, and whether you believe in God or the devil or not, go with me on this thought pattern. He said, yes, the devil is real. But if the devil is real, then doesn't that mean that I, meaning God who was speaking to me, if the devil is real, doesn't that mean that I'm real? If there's a devil, would there not be a God? And if you believe the things that are written about the devil, would you not also believe the things that are written about God? And where he stands in that hierarchy and the emphasis on his power versus that of the devil. And so just logically walking myself back, being like, hey, well, yeah, I guess there's not a ton to fear. Even though the, the danger is very real and apparent, there's not a ton to fear because if the devil's real, then also must be God. And so I think that if you experience fear in any scenario, you have to find a way that is effective and tangible for you to walk yourself backwards and speak to the reality of the situation. I'm afraid that I'm going to die of cancer and I got a lot of anxiety about it. Well, do you have cancer right now? Is the reality of the situation that you don't have cancer? If that's the reality of the situation, then you're borrowing troubles from tomorrow, which you may not even reach. from a place of authenticity if you're standing in that same room and you're afraid that you don't belong there ask yourself if you belong there that's the thing about truth is that it feels so uncomfortable whenever we start asking questions that there's no way to squirrel out of if I'm in a group of, of people that are doctors and lawyers and I decide to be truthful and ask myself do you belong there the answer is no I'm not neither a doctor nor a lawyer. If the criteria for being in that room is the ability to speak intelligently about being a doctor or a lawyer, then no, I don't belong there. But if the room is just a group of people that exist, that all put their pants on one leg at a time, that all desire food and water for existence on the earth, and they're just having a conversation or enjoying one another's company and most of them just so happen to be doctors and lawyers, do I still belong there? Well, yeah, absolutely. But now I can exist there without the need to exist in their reality. I can exist in that same room and I can be Joe Bob the plumber and I can have a great day 
and a great time interacting with them, understanding their walk of life and my walk of life and how those things differ and pulling value from one another's situations and understanding that the air that they breathe is no better than the air that I breathe. And there's no need for my anxiety and I walk myself backwards. Whatever the fear is, just bathe it in light. Fear can only exist in darkness. Just pour light all over it. Second question is how do you, how do you cope with mental and social handicaps that come from anxiety or fear? And will it ever, will it ever normalize by utilizing truth? Um, I like this question too because I feel like that you could talk until you're blue in the face about things that are theoretical about how to do something, but until actually watching somebody doing it or applying it yourself, that ability that you're looking for, that freedom that you're looking for within it is still out of reach. Still very much out of reach. I would say that the, the way you start, and I think this is an ongoing journey, and I'm not going to endeavor to try to answer it or, or try to, I feel like if I could answer fear and anxiety in, in a phrase, I'd be super rich because I'd find a way to sell that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you where I start whenever I experience things like this. Start with confronting it. You don't have to confront everything that comes up in your life, but with fear and anxiety, start with confronting it. Just like I said, it's a paper mache uh, dragon or giant. It's just a bully, and you have to confront a bully. When you're in a situation that you know is going to bring you a certain level of anxiety, mention that to your friends or to the people that you're around, but also mention why. And you're not gonna have to do this for forever, but mention why. Let's put me back in that same room with doctors and lawyers. What if I said, man, this guy, guys, this conversation, I'm, I'm gonna keep it real with you, this conversation uh, sparks a certain anxiety in me, not because of the fact that you guys are having it, I think you're brilliant. I'm impressed just to, to be in here listening to what you guys deal with on a day-by-day -day basis, but I've got no experience in this, and it kind of makes me feel like I don't have any place in the room, and I'm only bringing that up because I want to try to address that anxiety. Here's what you'll find, and not that you're fishing for anything, but you'll find that everyone else will put their insecurity on the table too, and the reason they do that is because since you've been honest, you have invited and given opportunity and permission to everybody else in the room to be honest too. And they're going to put an anxiety on the table. And the reason they're going to put that anxiety on that table is to make sure that you know that, hey, man, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. I've been in rooms and sky rises with these people working these multi-million dollar deals and all kinds of cool stuff. And, and they'll get to talking about their alma mater. And I'll say, actually, I'm a college dropout. And it is something that I think about or a source of insecurity for me because I do want to talk about this really uh, prestigious and amazing uh, alma mater that I come from. But I don't have that. But I've also noticed that if I mention that, which I don't do anymore, but early on, if I mention that, um, pretty quickly everybody establishes just how little it really matters in the world of what we do. And they speak to the reality of the situation is, regardless as if, of if you went to a prestigious university or not, you're in the same room as we are working the exact same deal. So it must mean you're made of the right stuff to work that deal. And you gotta walk yourself back the exact same way and I think with truth and authenticity, I do think it does normalize. 
I'm an extrovert to the nines, but I still experience things from time to time that are uncomfortable. And I can see how it would cause someone to recluse or fold into themselves when in reality, you want to put that thing out there on the table, show that you're not Superman, so that everything else that happens going forward into the future is based on a very real scenario, not a cage that you built for yourself and the people around you. This third question, and I'm trying to be brief. I don't like for these to go over about 15 minutes, but this third question is... um, it's more of a theme of consistent conversation this week than a direct question from an individual, but is how can you tell when you're lying to yourself? And I loved this conversation that, I, that you guys have been having with me this, this week because, again, it just shows the intention of every person to try to get better. And I think the quickest way where you can tell if you're lying to yourself, the quickest litmus test is how you feel internally when there's no parity or reconciliation. You ever watch those on the screensavers, I'm sure you have, that bounce from one side of the screen to the other side of the screen and up to, it's sometimes we watch that and it's such a common practice that it's been put into a lot of TV sitcoms. Sometimes we watch that screensaver just waiting for it to bounce itself into the corner perfectly. Why do we want that so bad? It's because it's parody. It's been reconciled. All things are the way that they should be. We want that thing to bounce perfectly in the corner. My son is five, and I think from this stage up until about between eight and 10, as far as child development goes, he'll be in a specific stage where he needs absolution. He needs it to be, not absolution as far as being absolved from guilt, but he needs things to be absolute and direct, black and white. So if you tell him something and there's a scenario that has a little bit of gray in it, once he encounters that scenario again, he'll go back to the initial thing that you told him. And he'll say, hey, this is supposed to be that way. You could say, well, hey, son, if some people like to, you know, tie their shoes in double knots, that's got to be okay with you. He struggles with that concept because it's not reconciled with the information that he already has. It's not reconciling with the information that he's already processed and taken on as true. That same thing exists with us as adults when it comes to being inauthentic. If you find yourself wrestling or grappling with a concept that maybe everybody else around you believes but you don't really believe you can say you believe it just to get along you can you can pretend you can fake it till you make it as they say but there's going to come an event or an action or some sort of sequence or scenario that causes you to have to face that thing directly and say oh do i really believe this And you'll know that you've been lying to yourself because it'll feel out of joint inside of you. You tell yourself you're not really a jealous person. I'm not really a jealous person. I just like, you know, respect or or I don't really need attention. I remember I asked this question to a lot of people. And again, you might not like this, but I used to ask girls all the time why they wear leggings. I had a girl say, why do you wear leggings? She said, oh, just I just I just love them. I love them. They're they're the most I said, are they particularly warm? No, not in the winter. Most of the stretching was not particularly warm. I said, okay, you just love them. It has nothing to do with, with the way that they make you look when you're in them or the attention that you would grab from, from, from being in them. No, nothing. No, nothing at all. And I always loved that because I would then follow up with the question. I said, what if every time you went outside in a pair of leggings, somebody was like, ugh, disgusting. <laughs> what if every time you walked out of the door in a pair of leggings and some, some guy looked at you and was just like, ah, gross. How long would you wear that? You see, there's a lack of parity 
within the answer that you say out loud and the one that's in your head. Because you're not being authentic. The truth is, is like, yeah, there may be a portion of you that just likes the way they feel. I feel comfortable. I feel comfortable in that. It's true. But also people don't walk out of the house consistently in a place where they're intending because you do all that makeup, get everything all nice and great. But you don't walk out of the house consistently in something that you feel like is going to be uh, off putting or not frame you in the best light that you want to be framed in. So then you got to answer that question honestly within yourself. and like, I kind of like the way they make me look, too. Well, bravo. You're not on trial for that. But it's about having parity in the answers that you say out loud. And the ones that you're saying internally within yourself. But we're at 20 minutes now, so I'm going to cut this short. I love the Q&A. Please continue to keep bringing them. Uh, I will leave you with this. As always, understand that if something made you irritated or frustrated, uh, you tuned in. Which also means you have the power and freedom to tune back out. And I will be none the wiser. (laughs) I'll see you guys next time.